We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. Uniquely, I will be a person that is... You know, the three things that I feel like is the essence of who I am is my ability to love, to serve, and to mentor. Those are my three values, and I'm going to show that in everything that I do. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little. The calendar flips to May, and we keep going. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm your host, John Little, great to have you with us again this week as we continue uh, to wade through this time of no sports, no basketball. Uh, It's been a long time now. What, seven weeks since we saw anybody on the field or the court, and we're missing it. There's no doubt about that. And a lot has happened, though, off the court since the shutdown occurred. And one of the biggest things to happen has been the coaching changes in women's college basketball. And we get a chance again this week to talk to one of the biggest movers and shakers in college basketball this offseason as new Notre Dame head coach Neil Ivey takes over for Muffet McGraw. Looking forward to talking to Coach Ivey in just a few minutes, but we do want to invite you to rate and review the show uh, on Apple Podcasts. We always appreciate that, but the most important thing is subscribe so you know every single time we put out one of these new interviews. You can count on them on Mondays. Sometimes we even do more than that. And then our Unplugged podcast should make a return here pretty soon as well. You know, it's a tough time. We would have been uh, getting into the WNBA. We would have been right in the middle, in fact, of WNBA training camps right now. Preseason games would be just around the corner. Just a couple weeks, we'd be tipping it off in the WNBA. That's not happening. And who knows what's going to happen with women's college basketball? 
uh, next year as well in the 2020-2021 season. I mean, it's just too early to tell. But uh, through all that uncertainty, we do know there have been a couple of these big coaching changes, and one of them came down uh, a couple weeks ago as Muffet McGraw surprised many, stepping away after 33 years at the helm of Notre Dame women's basketball. If there's a Mount Rushmore of women's college basketball, I don't think there's any question that Coach McGraw is on it. It is a huge loss for the women's basketball community, but big props to Notre Dame for having something in place right away uh, that Notre Dame fans didn't have to think too long and hard about who was going to be their next coach. Neil Ivey takes over, of course, a longtime assistant at Notre Dame, played at Notre Dame, and in addition to that, decided to step away and go to Memphis to coach in the NBA as an assistant uh, for a year. And what a year it turned out to be. We're going to hear what she learned during that year uh, away when she was at Memphis, uh, what happened when coronavirus took over the NBA and the entire sports landscape uh, across the U.S. and what that did. And I also ask how it affected her decision of whether or not she wanted to take over at Notre Dame or stay in the NBA as well. There's a lot to talk about with Coach Neil Ivey, and we feel so privileged to have gotten a chance to speak with her. So here's our conversation with Neil Ivey. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it um, being, being on your podcast. So happy to have you on. And it was kind of an out-of-nowhere experience for college basketball fans. We know, we love Coach McGraw. What she's done for the sport over the years is undeniable. We know how we feel as fans. How do you feel as the person taking over for her? Ooh, um completely overwhelmed with a lot of emotion. So first off, just gratitude, um, you know, to, to be able to be in this position to to follow such a legend. So just complete gratitude. Um, a lot of emotions just uh, just because she means she's meant so much to me. So for her to be able to trust me to carry on her legacy is just means means everything. So full of joy, gratitude and a ton of emotions. Absolutely. Uh, what was the timeline like I mean we know what our timeline was like we saw it you know one day and then the next day I mean it was bang bang it was really fast Uh, I assume it it wasn't quite that fast for you what was the timeline like from you knowing that this was a possibility to you accepting the position yes well coach McGrath alluded to you know at some point you know me taking over a couple years prior just sometimes you'll just throw out little things like, Hey, I could just see you staying here forever. You know, just alluded to the fact that, you know, I could be next. But, um, I think after every year she, she really reevaluates what she wants to do. And so that was, um, some information that Jack Schwarberg, our athletic director, um, let me know that she's every year she's, she, she might, she, it could be that year that she would like to step away. She was at that point of her career that she was thinking about it at least. So that's really, the, the timeline of having a, a little bit of an idea, maybe you just you never knew when, you know, so, but, at, you know, during the pandemic was when Jack reached out, um, you know, the first couple of weeks during the first, first initial part of the middle of March with the first initial part of the shutdown. And when he, he reached out to let me know that coach had decided, you know, she's been, she's been reflecting during this time off and she, she's ready to retire and, and offer me the position. Did it take you aback when 
he first said that because, it, you know, you had heard it a couple times in the past that, you know, she was considering and, you know, Muffet McGraw is Notre Dame basketball. She could never retire, even though, you know, you're <laughs> close to it and you know it. Eventually, yes, it's going to happen. But when those first words, when those words first came out of his mouth, what was your reaction? I was speechless. I was shocked. It, definitely with the timing of it as, as well with everything that's going on and um, with the shutdown. So I, I was really speechless. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, is she, is she really, is she really done? I think that's probably what I said. I was like, really? You know, it was, it was, it was very shocking for me. Um, <laughs> but just, and then excited, you know, to actually hear the words, I want you to be my next head coach from Jack Schwarbrick, who I have a ton of for. It was a amazing feeling. Oh man. I, I can't even imagine. It's almost like you were in like a 20-year interview process, so to speak, or something like that, you know, for a job that wasn't even open yet. But, you know, you, you spent so long at Notre Dame. Before Coach McGraw even mentioned it, when's the first time you remember somebody mentioning, you know, or even like a fan or something like that? Hey, do you think if, if Coach McGraw retires, uh, you know, you might get the job? I, how, how, long, how far back do you remember talk like that going? I think I really took notice maybe the past three or four years. Um, but at the same time, like you just said, when someone says that to me, um, I'm thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> Coach McGraw is the face of Notre Dame. Like, I don't even know if I would want to take, you know, to follow her shoes. It was probably my response just because I just always see her as a leader. I always see her as the person, the face of college basketball, women's college basketball, and definitely the face of Notre Dame. So the fact that I'm in this position is nothing but God. Was it an automatic yes for you? Did you have to think about it, or was it on that on that phone call? Was it, all right, good deal, yes, we're good? It was reflection. I, I needed time just because it was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, being in the Memphis, in the NBA was a dream of mine, and I, was, I, I loved it. I loved Memphis Grizzlies. I, I loved their organization, my head coach. The guys, the, every every part aspect of Memphis and uh, Memphis Grizzlies, I was in love. Um, I I already learned so much, and I knew that that was a really great situation for me. So I wanted to make sure I was re- really reflected on what are my goals, what are my values, where can I impact most. And so I really took time to just pray about it, to be honest, just because obviously it was both are win wins to be in the NBA and coaching my alma mater. So I wanted just to make sure that it was the right decision for me. Ultimately, I just went with my heart, which is Notre Dame. Hmm. I, I love it. You mentioned you learned a lot. What are some of the things that you can tell us about what you learned at Memphis this year? I learned how to build culture. Uh, Taylor Jenkins, the head coach there, was his first year coaching. And we had a young team, a, a young staff, and he was basically putting the team together. And so I learned how um, to to the whole building the foundation. I think with my time at Notre Dame and even being a player under Coach McGraw's leadership, it was in set in place. You know, it was, it was, she had already built the foundation. That's all I knew. So it was really, it was really amazing for me to go to Memphis and learn, learn how to build a culture, how to build a team. Cause that's the aspect that I, that I did not have prior knowledge to that. that and that's big for me. Cause that's, that's where I'm going to start. Um, in, in my my time right now is is building culture, building leadership, and then that and then just the basketball IQ, that just the X's and O's. Taylor Jenkins is one of the brightest minds I've been around. I mean, from drills and practice, from pl- game planning, from scouting, 
managing an office, managing the performance staff, managing, you know, the chef, everything. He taught, he taught us everything. He, we were, we were in and he um, allowed us to be in on a lot of decisions and showed us a lot. And so I, I learned so much and that, that was beyond the X's and O's. So just managing, managing people, managing an organization in a professional organization is very different from the collegiate atmosphere. So I learned so much. He, He's, I can't I can't thank him enough and uh, the G- general manager Zach, Zachary Kleiman they're just outstanding outstanding people I'm sure it's stuff that you're going to be able to to take and and make your own at uh, Notre Dame question for you that I had is did you still feel like a trailblazer as a, a woman on a staff for an NBA team? Or is it getting to the point where that feels completely normalized, that players are 100% you know, on board because they've seen it so much over the, the last few years that it's just no big deal anymore? Yes, I definitely felt like a trailblazer being the first female in Memphis. I, I was just fortunate to be around such great, great guys. Like you said, they, they embraced me from day one. I think last year being the most hires of all time, in the NBA, I think probably in the next couple of years, it's going to definitely start to be something that's normalized, which I love. So I, I definitely I felt like a trailblazer. Every arena I walk in, it was all eyes on me sometimes just because people were shocked. Like there's a there's a female staff or they walk past me in the game while the game's going on and tap me on my shoulder and, and say, hey, you go, girl. Like so proud of you. And these are women. These are men. These are young girls, young boys, everybody just really embraced me or just I could tell the magnitude of just my presence and so I definitely felt like a trailblazer and I'm going to use that as I become first-time head coach here at Notre Dame because you know I'm first female African-American head coach here so it's going to bring a certain amount of um, attention to that so I feel like I'm prepared for that um, with the role that I played in uh, Memphis. That's a great point you know I I think if if I look back uh, 10 years ago if I could envision I think, could I envision a female as a head coach at the NBA level? I don't know if I could have, but I absolutely could these days. Can you envision (laughs) that one day? Um, Either, uh, hey, maybe you're that coach. I don't know. But but do you see that happening down the line? Is there any doubt for you that that will happen? Personally, honestly, I feel like anything is possible. Because I I never thought I was going to be an assistant in the NBA. It was never crossed my mind one time, and it happened. So I definitely think down the line, um, that that's going to be a possibility. And I'm just fortunate and happy that there's so many trailblazing women besides myself that are showing GMs and showing the NBA that you know, women, women can coach and we do a really phenomenal job. And it really should just be based off of your expertise, not, not your gender. So I'm just happy that my opportunity there in, at, um, in the Grizzlies has opened up different opportunities and lanes for women. So I definitely feel like that that's coming, that that's going to happen. It just depends on when. Gotcha. We are visiting with Neil Ivey, the head coach of Notre Dame women's basketball. I want to take you back. And I know it wasn't that far that long ago, leaving Notre Dame to go to the NBA. How hard mm-hmm. was that decision or was, or was that fairly easy for you? It was really hard because that was a big shift in my life as a mother. My, I was going to be away from my son because he wanted to go to a prep school. We felt like that was the best, that was the best move for him. And so it was a family decision just to make sure that it was, it was, it was right for him because he was heading to a senior year in high school. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to disrupt what he had built. So that was, that was a fact in my decision-making. And then 
I know everyone understands and, and knows how close I am with Coach McGraw and and how close I am with Notre Dame and the team and the program. So that was taking a step away from my family, which I had not done previously in 12 years. So that was really, really difficult. But I knew that in order for me to grow, I needed to step out of the comfort and so that was the reason that I even took the position. But it took, a, took it took a minute for me to really make sure that it was the right right decision for me. I knew it was going to be it was going to be monumental. I knew the magnitude of that decision. But when it all made sense for my son, it was something that I felt like I wanted I want to do this. I can do it because I, I wanted to challenge myself. And I didn't know what to expect. I, knew, I didn't know anybody in Memphis or on the staff. Um, but I just you know prayed about it and felt like it was it was the right thing for me to do at that time. Were you living uh, in uh, around Memphis? I mean, did you pick up your life and and move to to Memphis, or or was it? Uh, did you think about it more like a, a seasonal job, and then you you move back home, so to speak? Yeah, no, I I moved. I, I actually kept my home in South Bend, using it as a rental <laughs> property. But I have a place in Memphis. I still have to go back and pack up. I I moved. I moved pretty much everything that I felt like I needed. So yeah, I took it. I took a. I took a. A step, a leap of faith is really what I did, and it ended up being a, an amazing step. That is that is really awesome. How often did you talk with either Muffet or the other uh, players or coaches on the staff at Notre Dame through this past year? I, I'm sure you're incredibly busy, so I, I'm sure mm-hmm. only as time allowed, but, but how often did you talk with them? Yeah, I tried to, initially the first couple of months, I tried to reach out to Coach multiple times you know like either once a week and then like you said my schedule started to get a little bit um, busier so maybe once a month but I definitely try to either through text just checking on especially during the season it was a tough season obviously um, we went through a really really tough season rebuild season so I want to make sure that she was okay so I tried to reach out as much as I could sometimes just for comfort just sometimes just to let her know I loved her because I knew she was going through a lot and so I just try to keep keep in touch, you know, every once in a while with the girls because I recruited most of them that are here that were on the team last year. So just, you know, just a couple of texts here and there just to let them know, like, it's, a you know, because they they're not used to losing as well. So it was it was tough on everyone. So I try to reach reach out. To, but again, like you said, it was super busy, but maybe a couple of times a year I would, I would reach out just to check on them. Yeah. Notre Dame on top year after year after year, and this year certainly was an aberration. How tough was it for you to, to watch some of the highlights like maybe we would see uh, of Coach McGraw even breaking down in a, in a post-game interview or, or something like that when when things are going really hard, but she says, "I'm hey, I'm going to stick with this and I'm going to fix it. Um, how tough for, was that for you to watch? It was really, it was really hard for me to watch. Um, I feel like I was always that person that she can lean on. Uh, you know, everyone, every person on the staff has something that, that she needs. And I just felt like, man, even if it was just a hug, even if it was just like, coach, we're going to be okay. It was hard for me to, to watch that from afar and not feel that like I was there to, to comfort her. So that was really hard. Um, and, but it, it just speaks to the passion as not just for winning, but just, just, I mean, obviously she has a passion for winning, but I think she just, she just wanted to, worse. I feel like she was always saying, what can I do? I need to, what can I do more to help them? So it was really hard for me to watch from afar, but I definitely was a source of comfort or support, you know, via phone or text or, you know, send or something just to keep her spirits up. But it was hard. What do you hope that the holdover players that, you know, bridge this gap that will be with you next year, what do you hope that they took out of the rough season in South Bend? All right. I, I, I hope that they learn from the adversity that 
had to, to endure. And I know it was definitely something that, you know, taught them just something as far as like knowing how to compete every night. Um, and that was something that they just never, none of them, I don't think on that, the team that's, that, that we have, it's the team from last year were the, the you know, leading scorers. We, we lost all that the year before. So they all had to step up in, in a different role. And I, I'm hoping that the challenges and adversity that they went through last year, um, really puts a um, fine to a focus for them as they work out, as they get better, because now they know, okay, I have to, I have to bring A, B, and C because that's what we were lacking last year. So I'm hoping that they recognize what they can bring and use the season last year to try to fix or tr- work on getting better at some of the areas that they weren't as strong. And so I'm hoping that they can bring that next year. And then along with the incoming freshmen, along with the style of play and the energy that I'm going to bring, I'm just hoping that we can just, you know, start and build our foundation together and just continue to get better. I'm not asking for, of course, I would love a, um, a winning season, but really one of my biggest thing is just to focus on habits and focus on um, teaching them how to win and, and teaching them just fundamentals. I think that's what I'm just going to base it off of and let the wins and losses take care of itself. Absolutely. And one thing I didn't ask about, can't believe I haven't yet, is <laughs> how did COVID-19 affect your decision whether or not to take the Notre Dame job, if at all? Was it a factor at all uh, when, you know, we're all clouded by one of the, the weirdest times that mm-hmm. we've ever been alive for? Um, I don't think that was part of my decision. I know that uh, it was, it was it's, just, it's just hard what we're going through, but I didn't feel like it played a part in the decision. I think it just, for everybody, it just you just to reevaluate what's important in your life. I think that's something that I guess I took away from it. And for me, that is just making sure I impact people. So impact lives. And that was a de- a definitely was a, one of the main reasons why I chose to come back to Notre Dame because there was just, just feeling like I could impact the girls, the women's game and impact young, young, young girls lives. Um, but it, it was a time of reflection for me. So during that time I had a chance to just really reflect on what's important to me. What was it like at the NBA level um, once COVID-19 took over? Because, you know, I've talked to many people, many coaches at the college level, and it seems like it hit so many of them, you know, just kind of upside the head. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. they weren't really thinking about it, and then all of a sudden it was a thing, (laughs) and it uh, it changed everything. What was it like – for you guys in Memphis, uh, was it really a factor leading up to all of a sudden when it uh, canceled everything? Right. It was, we were actually, it was a Wednesday. We were just flown to Portland and we got to the hotel and we received a text saying that Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz had, um, you know, was diagnosed with the COVID. And then we got a text 30 minutes later, Adam Silver said, the NBA is suspended. So it w- it happened so fast. And we were literally j- had just landed in Portland. We were playing Portland that Thursday. I, was, I think it was like May 13th or 12th, to be honest. Um, so it was so abrupt. So it was almost, we were so shocked and we were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then you just see more and more, you know, NCAA was, uh, or the, the college, NCAA college men and women's tournaments, conference suspended. And then, you know, then you have just a trickle effect. And we definitely, the NBA, started the all the cancellations with sports so which i thought was very very brave but it was very abrupt we were all super we were completely shocked and then we had to turn around had a couple team meetings just to kind of get a gauge on how we were going to operate and what we were going to do 
um, not having that much knowledge or, or information. And then we left the next day, I think around one o'clock and we were back in Memphis and it was shut down from then on. So it was super, super, um, it, was, it was actually kind of scary. I think for me, I was the first thing I thought of is how I'm going to get back to my son. <laughs> like I got to find a way to go. So I literally drove eight hours to go pick him up just because I was so nervous. So um, it was super, it was really shocking. Hmm. Uh, abrupt is the perfect word, but it's reassuring to me that, you know, you uh, at the center of all of it, you know, went through the exact same thing the rest of us were going through where it's like here today, gone tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, and I was at a couple conference tournaments that uh, all of a sudden we were about to, you know, broadcast some games and then no, we're not broadcasting this game. In fact, uh, <laughs> right. this tournament's done. Um, right. So it, uh, it was just, it was just nuts and something we'll, we'll always remember. Uh, talking to Vic Schaefer, obviously he's got a totally different situation as he you know takes over another iconic program in texas Mm -hmm. but he's Mm -hmm. you know he's going from his players where he's stepping away from and he's he's gathering new players and he's got all those different covid19 problems because he doesn't get to say goodbye to his girls and he doesn't really get to meet his new girls what are Mm -hmm. your specific challenges uh, as it relates to to covid19 and taking over a program that you are familiar with yet at the same time, you know, uh, trying to put your own mark on. Mm-hmm. Well, I, f- I felt like with Zoom having the opportunity of, um, you know, again, like you said, not be- not having the girls in person probably was the biggest challenge. But only being a year removed, I knew that I'd recruited the incoming class, a fresh freshman class, and I recruited or were around the returners. So it wasn't, it's definitely not a situation where I'm not, I don't, I'm familiar with everybody. So that's a bonus. That's a plus for me. And I've just basically tried to stay engaged through Zoom Zoom meetings. And I was announced through Zoom. And it's been beneficial just to at least have FaceTime, have video conference in order to stay engaged. So I've been trying to do that. And I think that's gone really well. But again, being only one year removed was beneficial for me because I, I'd already established those relationships with them. Uh, you know, this issue is ever changing and so you know nobody can see the future but how optimistic are you that um you're going to get a, a chance to have a regular october to you know with your with your girls the start of the semester and then october start practices and and that games will start on time when when you vision this next fall semester uh, do you envision getting to do all the things you would normally get to do with the team right I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm just, you know, listening to Jack Swarbrick. We had ACC spring meetings, and, you know, it's still very unsure. And, and our commissioner, you know, didn't have any new news to report. So I think I'm just kind of waiting and just trying to prepare myself with practice. You know, I'm, I'm already, you know, trying to, you know, pre- prepare my playbook and just things just to make sure. But right now we're, we're, like you said, like we're in such unprecedented times that I'm just trying to be prepared for, for whatever happens. So um, I would love, you know, obviously I would love to have a season and I would love for the, the, the student athletes and students in general to be able to come back to campus, but I have to be prepared for the worst and just trying to stay ready. is the only thing I can do because there, there is no, there's really no information at this point. It's just really, if this, COVID flattens in time and and it's safe for everyone to resume normalcy. So I'm just trying to just stay ready. One thing we do know is that the uh, NCAA is going to allow players to be able to make money off their name 
and likeness, it, that is going to happen, it appears, over the next couple of years. And you've got a very unique perspective because not only are you a coach, but you are also a mom of um, a future NCAA athlete as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about it as a coach? How do you feel about it as a mother? Yeah, that, this is definitely something that's going to be, um, you know, never been a part of part of something like so massive, so such a big decision, I guess you could say. So I'm interested in trying to figure out how all this, how to navigate through it all as a parent and a coach. So I'm definitely going to reach out to, to talk to some of my mentors and experts just to see how to navigate through that, just because I have never been a part of it. So that is something that I have to tell you in a couple, (laughs) a couple months, because I've just, it's it's completely new territory for me. Absolutely. I, and I'm sure everybody's going to have to figure out Okay, how do we do this? Um, mm-hmm. at, at the same time, I, was it something that you uh, have generally been in support of, or is this something that you were kind of wary of being so close to uh, college basketball for as long as you were? Mm-hmm. I feel like I was probably indifferent, just because, um, like you said, I've been on both sides, so I could see, I could see, I, I understand. You know, just listening to, I've listened to a couple former players um, and their concerns about you know, using people using their likeness and, and making money off them. So I'm, I'm kind of indifferent, but I, I understand both sides, but now I'm on the, the coaches and head coaching side. So, um, and I know that that's going to impact recruiting a little bit with different universities. I just got to make sure, um, you know, I just kind of have to, I'm, I want to learn as, as much as I can to see the positive and the negatives and pros and cons of it. So I am kind of indifferent, but I'm sure my, my opinion will change once I can get, more pros and cons of how this is going to affect recruiting and also affect just um, college sports, because I know this has been something that has been talked about for so long. So um, I understand, I guess, both sides, but definitely want to just make sure I have enough knowledge to make sure I can make the proper decision once I can get into um, how everyone's going to navigate with this, navigate through this with this new decision by the NCAA. Absolutely. And finally, Coach Ivy, um, you know, for Notre Dame fans, what things do you think that that fans of Notre Dame and even of women's college basketball in general, what do you think you'll you'll take from Coach McGraw that um, people will recognize? And then what aspects of you will we see and will be able to come out more with uh, you as a head coach instead of uh, being a lead assistant? Well, I'm definitely going to take away her passion and that everybody will be very under, they will see that in, in the way that she just led with, with integrity. I think she was always the person that I was, was that taught her coaches and her players to always do things the right way. And it's just a Notre Dame way, just doing things the right way and to live with passion. I think I'm definitely going to mimic, mimic that um, aspect and characteristic of coach McGraw. Um, and I can't remember the second question. I apologize. Just what do you think is going to be just a little bit different? Or what will you okay. be able to accentuate? What's going to be uniquely you that people will, mm-hmm. will see in you as a coach? Yeah, I think uniquely I will be a person that is, you know, the three things that I feel like is the essence of who I am is my ability or my, my ability to love, to serve, and to mentor. Those are the, my three values. And I, I'm going to show that in everything that I do. Um, I think that's going to to be a little bit different from, um, you know, Coach McGraw and coaches, coach to coaches in general, just because I'm going to lead with my heart. So I'm very passionate. Um, I feel like I'm always somebody that can connect, but I'm always some, somebody that the, the girls can relate to, that they can come talk to. Just, just the way that I that I, I care, I think it's just going to just be 
something that's something that should be completely me, Neil, um, to live with, to coach with my heart, you know, to love, to serve, and to mentor. And I think just the relationships part um, of the building of the relationships that I feel like I'm very strong with, I think it's going to be something that's just different. That's just going to be uniquely me. That's awesome. Well, Coach Ivy, congratulations again on the new job. We look forward to seeing how it all plays out. And good <laughs> luck to you in the future. And thank you so much for giving us your time. We're honored. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so excited, and I really appreciate you um, allowing me to be on your podcast. The new head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Neil Ivy. Thank you so much to Coach Ivy for coming on the show this week. And we wish Muffet McGraw nothing but the best, uh, just the happiest of retirements as she steps away from women's college basketball in the coaching realm, uh, leaving it uh, <laughs> much better than she found it. I feel stupid saying that. Of course she did. Uh, but at the same time, her work is not done. You know it's not done. And she's going to show up on our televisions and our podcasts uh, for years to come, uh, figuring out a way to impact not only women's college basketball from here on out, but I think also society as well. There's no doubt about that. Thank you so much for listening again this week. A reminder to rate and review the podcast. And, uh, you know, you can always catch up with us a lot of different ways. I think Twitter's the best one, at Her Hoop Stats. We've grown to almost 7,000 followers. We're certainly going to pass it soon and uh, can't wait to, to pass that round number. Uh, you can also find me at John Little Voice on Twitter. Little is spelled with D's. And you can uh, reach out by email, good old-fashioned email, at podcast at herhoopstats.com. If you have a comment, a question, you have somebody that you'd really like to hear us interview, that always helps uh, give us ammunition to uh, let the decision makers know uh, that we'd like to hear from somebody and our fans would like to hear from somebody as well. By the way, thanks for the greatest month ever for listening in the history of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. April was an all-time high in downloads. And think about it. We didn't have a single game in April in women's basketball, and we still had more downloads than ever. So you're out there, you're listening, and we appreciate it. Our announcer is Susie Solis. Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com, does the music, of course. And Aaron Barzilai is the executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm your host, John Little. Until next week, reminding you, at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.